0: Hello, Welcome back to Being Black with Camille Smith. Today we are welcoming Anthony Donback. Anthony actually is a recent graduate from Boston University and he hails from Newark, Delaware. He received his Bachelor of Arts in French and he also studied pre-med, took those pre-med courses just like I did. Um, and he actually owns his own business called the Golden Goals, which aims to help all people professionally reflect their true worth through their resume and LinkedIn to companies and institutions that they deserve. Um, Anthony and I actually connected because he was super cool and saw one of my stories on my Instagram and reached out and was like, hey, I want to be a guest. And I was like, hey, let's do it. And here we are. So I'm super excited to have him on. And I really enjoyed getting to know him in the process. So without further ado, Anthony, what does being Black mean to you?
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah. So what does being Black mean to me? Being Black is is this crazy dichotomy. Um, there's like a good and bad, and we kind of have to deal with both. And it's beautiful in a way, but it's also terrible in a way. So I think the good is like, you know, our culture, our rich history, our music, the way we dance, the way we vibe, the way we talk, our fashion and everything, everything around that. Um, And just the fact that, I mean, being Black is almost so great that everyone wants to be Black, but until the other side of the dichotomy is bad, when it's actually time to be Black. And you know, there's all of our history in terms of slave trade and oppression, and, and the racial wealth gap, and and police brutality, and everything that's going on, even in 2020, and you know the the lack of equity in healthcare that we've seen with everything with COVID-19, mm-hmm. and also with lack of maternal health in general. So um, there's the bad and the good, and it's just kind of having to embrace those two sides of us. And, to kind of sometimes even just be two people sometimes some some people may be really good at just you know you know owning who they are and not really having to like code switch and things like that but other people do kind of have to have to you know put on a face sometimes when they go into uh, maybe a white corporate space or something like that and you know just kind of having that double consciousness so it's that constant dichotomy um that i definitely have learned to uh, you know, develop within myself and master within myself to a level that com- I'm comfortable with um, is that dichotomy that that I, I guess encapsula- encapsulates being black. Mm-hmm. And
0: do you have a concrete memory of the first time that you realized that you were black?
1: Hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, like I've you know, I've always been pretty well reminded of you know, my African roots. I mean, I'm Cameroonian. Um, my family comes from uh, the village. My dad comes from the village in Africa. So Douala. And then my mom comes from the richer capital, it's called Yaoundé. And uh, so I've always been aware of that. But in terms of, like, being aware of my Blackness and, like, realizing I was different, I guess the first time would be probably around middle school. Man, I always noticed that The white kids would all sit together and like the black and the POC kids would all sit together or like sit off the side. And I just wonder, like, I always see that and just wonder, like, hey, what's, why are we all like separated? Like, no one, no one organized this, you know, like it was just natural, like, because we could sit wherever we wanted in the class and then people would just naturally gravitate to the people that look like them. And that's when I kind of realized, like, oh, like, those kids over there we're over here, I guess we're different, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy to even think about sometimes because essentially being white back then was, was psych, uh, subconsciously associated with being cool or being popular. And there were even times where I caught myself, um, not even caught, I didn't even caught myself. I, I genuinely thought that like, sometimes I wanted to be white because like, I felt like that was being cool, you know? And then thinking back, I'm like, yo, I, I don't like that thought, you know, Mm -hmm. Like that's not something I I really think um, nowadays at all. So it's just crazy that that was kind of the psychology back then, but that's that's when I realized that there was a difference in in Blackness. Mm
0: -hmm. And then talk a little bit about like growing up in your area. So you already touched on um, that interesting divide, and I definitely felt that when I was growing up too. Um, But tell me a little bit about growing up in your area.
1: I grew up in a suburb. Newark, Delaware. Um, it was mostly white and Indian, uh, South Asian. Um, so I mean, it was it was pretty cool growing up. I mean, I think I felt really comfortable being around white people um, when I grew up, and I guess that kind of helped when it came into being in the Catholic school space and being in my high school, uh, my PWI high school, my PWI college. Um, so I kind of knew, you know, how to interact and be cool with white people and you know be able to be that, I guess, not acceptable, but like be that version of myself in that dichotomy that can, you know, really get work, get along with white people that don't really represent me, you know, mm-hmm. because I definitely also had another version of myself that was around black people and people that look like me that was not represented in those other spaces. So,
0: mm-hmm. so as you went you went to a PWI high school, PWI college. Did you feel that anything changed from growing up versus actually going off to college?
1: Yeah, I became way more proud of being black. Um, I loved being black when I was in college. Like, like I just, I found my HBCU within the PWI, you know? And um, when I really found those people that I was down for, um, people that looked like me and started being in more like black organizations, like black student union. and and minority association for pre-med students. And mm-hmm. I joined the Alphas and I was just around so many black people and I loved it. And it just, it, it also pushed me to learn more about my roots learn more about the history of African-Americans um, and the African diaspora. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I didn't know, I didn't know Like going in through, through high school and learning all this history about Native Americans and, and the US history and all that. I realized that we didn't really learn that much about black people. And if we did, it was just slavery and then on, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, it helped me, it empowered me to learn so much more about you know who we are as a people um, and how even different we can be within our diaspora too. So um, yeah, I think the college space has really empowered me to, you know, just embrace my blackness. And then do you have
0: any advice for your younger self?
1: advice to my self: I would say don't listen to the haters. Um, I let a lot of people, a lot of people get in my head back when I was young. Um, I, like, I was very easily emotionally controlled and I was bullied pretty often, um, especially mm. like throughout Catholic school. Um, yeah, like I had like, anger management problems because I was always getting picked on and then I would like have an outburst and then the outburst was the only thing that was caught by the teacher. So the teacher would be like, Tony, let's step outside. You know what I'm saying? And <laughs> It's just like, it's, I'll be so like confused. I'm like, yo, I'm not doing it, but, like I'm being picked on. Why am I getting in trouble, you know? So just not letting people get in my head. And I kind of learned that um, kind of like around the high school age where I just, I kind of stopped letting people emotionally control me, but I wish I had learned that sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just to show more appreciation for my parents and the teachers that did support me. Uh, through that through those tough times as well. Um, Yeah that would be my advice
0: for my younger self. I like that. Um, Unfortunately I also can definitely relate to being very easily emotionally controlled growing up. Um, I actually talked about that in my intro. Um, Mm -hmm. So nice to know that I wasn't the only one that dealt with that but annoying of course that we both had to deal with it at the same time. Um, But thank you for sharing. I'm super excited to talk about our topic today. We're going to be talking about being Black and navigating the corporate world. Um, This is, of course, going to be super new to the both of us because we graduated in May of 2020. But uh, nonetheless, I think it's really important um, because I know that for me, it's been very interesting. And I know that you can probably give a lot of insight as it relates to your business and just the knowledge that you've gotten through. Um, actively trying to run that. So I want to start off by talking about the interviewing process, mm-hmm. it's that as a whole. So I know we talked a little bit prior, but talk a little bit about like what your interviewing process was. How did you go about looking for jobs?
1: Okay. So yeah, my job search process, I mean, like you said, we graduated in May 2020. So stuff was kind of crazy back then. Mm-hmm. I actually, I had a job offer and I also had an on-campus job at the time. So around like March, where everything was kind of starting to get crazy, I was good. I was ready to go into a whole new job. Um, and I was ready to like stay in Boston because I went to Boston University. Um, I had housing set up and everything. And then when COVID came around, I lost my job. Like it was eliminated. And my on-campus job was also eliminated because campus was closing. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was lost. I also had to go back home. And then I stayed home for like five months and I was an employed that whole time. Um, and that's kind of, that's actually the time where I started the business and kind of making a little bit of income for myself. But throughout that entire time, I was really just applying to jobs, like every single day, applying to jobs yeah. and working, networking with different recruiters and different people in the fields that I wanna go into. Just kind of getting to talk, getting on Zoom with those people and talking with them and trying to see how I can network my way into a position. And I eventually, I uh, ended up having a conversation with the recruiter that gave me my first job position. Uh, it was actually a sales job. I never be sales. It's not where I ever saw myself, but um, something something that really uh, hit me that she said was that we're not looking for salespeople, we're looking for people persons uh, or for people people, I guess, I mean, people or individuals. And I was like, that's interesting. I guess I am that, you know? and She was like, Yeah, like it's essentially so what it was, it was a solar selling solar panels, and we got trained by Jordan Belfort himself. So like we got on Zoom calls with like Jordan and he would like tell us everything he knows about sales and how to like persuade and how to like, you know, be intentional about everything you do in the sales process. And then they're like, Hey, you y'all, y'all are gonna get this training from me for like multiple weeks, which is like three thousand dollars worth of training, but y'all get it for free free because y'all got recruited through my program and I was like okay (laughs) you know what I'm saying so I I went through it I didn't didn't have a job so I was like any opportunity is good right now so I'm gonna take it even though it wasn't really what I expected but I took it and um no it it was it was great um so I ended up you know coming back to Boston getting an apartment um and that was my first job so I started off the bat just doing sales um and it was pretty good it was pretty good I'm still kind of in it um, and I kind of slowed down with everything just the winter and mm-hmm. uh, the holidays. Things have been slow, but plan to get back on it. And also, our team's a lot smaller now. But uh, other than that, I also got another job from one of the things that I applied to that was in healthcare, which is where more where I saw myself. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's a, a job working for NYC Hospital remotely because um, I was looking specifically for remote jobs. I didn't I wasn't trying to really be out there out there or go to an office. And yeah, so essentially I just take calls from patients in New York and I can either report their COVID test to them or I can schedule an appointment for them or I can connect them with a the doctor or help them set up their patient portal, things like that. Um, so it's pretty cool. Um, I get some fun calls and I get some bad calls and a lot of normal calls. Um, and then I also got another job, which was actually with a Black-owned startup uh, called Spark Your Resume. And uh, it was cool to even just like work for a startup and work for a Black-owned company. Um, and I got that for, uh, through uh, my network. So Actually, one of my friends sent me the application. They were like, you'd be good for this. You like this, apply. I was like, okay, <laughs> Ooh. and I did. And that's how that happened. So that was my job search process, mm-hmm. um, yeah.
0: So it seems as though, even though it started off rocky, you know, mm-hmm. you made a way for yourself. Um, my job search was very interesting because I feel like um, for engineers, you you either it's you're in two groups. For engineers, you normally have a job right after your internship, like they'll offer you something, mm-hmm. um, or you have to wait until like January, February for positions to be posted. And I was in the January, February group, and mm-hmm. I didn't really remember looking in looking for jobs in every single class. Like I would have my laptop open and I'd be like refreshing the same website. Um, And it was like really, really like stressful because what I learned through that process is that, I, I don't know if it's can be applied for all companies or all industries, but engineering companies, specifically pharma companies will only post jobs like actually when they need a person so I started in like November, December, because I don't like procrastinating. So i like, I'm applying a job. I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of jobs out here. And then they're like, can you start in January? I'm like, I'm still in school. <laughs> no, I can't. Um, so and of course I had to wait until that January, February period. And I was super blessed because I found a position that I really, really like. It's the position that I'm in now. And mm. it was a Cinderella story because I applied. I actually ended up meeting one of the people that started the program that I was applying through through my network, which we're gonna definitely talk about networking later because that's so incredibly important. Um, right. I talked to him, had my actual phone interview, uh, then was invited to a super day, which I like had to interview. Um, I think like there was three different interviews and each interview had like three or four hiring managers and then a week after that, I got the offer or the verbal offer. And then a week after that, I got like the actual contract. And then I was able to sign by the end of March. Um, yeah. Like I was looking for a bunch of jobs, but then it like happened really quickly. And then I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I was again very because my job wasn't affected um, by COVID in the way that like my start date was the same, you know, time. I still, of course, have to work remotely a lot more than I would have, mm-hmm. I think. Um, mm-hmm but do you think that your interviewing process for any of the three jobs that you have gotten over the past few months was affected by you being Black?
1: Affected by me being Black? Um, I would say yes, but most likely in a good way. Okay. Um, And I'll speak on more than just the recent jobs that Mm -hmm. I got. Because across all the positions that I've really, like, applied for or tried to get, mm-hmm. usually they're either looking for a diversity factor mm-hmm. or that, like, I was in orientation or I was a resident assistant. So those mm-hmm. jobs, they kind of wanted, especially from a you know university standpoint, they kind of wanted some diversity and representation in, in their staff mm-hmm. in order to be able to deal with a diverse student body mm-hmm. um, or, quote, unquote, diverse student body, you know how that goes <laughs> and um, uh, so th- that usually helped me um, more so than hurt me and then other than that I don't like I never really experienced a negative uh a neg- like a negative type of feedback from me being black in an interview or even perceived anything like that mm-hmm. um I know that it is it is a a reality for some people mm-hmm. I've never
0: experienced it though so i have a very interesting story um, that i think like i had to think about whether i wanted to share it because of course again like storytelling is really important to me but sharing stories all the time can be like emotionally exhausting but i do think that this is important um so two things one i have really curly hair if you haven't that um, and i distinctly remember before my super day i like it was a Zoom call. So I was going to have Zoom meetings all day. And I had my hair out and I was like, dad, like, should I just put my hair back? And I think that that's like, I think it's very unfortunate that I had that thought. But I do think that a lot of Black people do have that thought on a regular basis, especially Black women. Mm-hmm. Um, Black men, of course, that have like longer hair, or if they have braids or dreads or whatever the case may be, of course, they probably think about it as well. Um, I eventually did decide to wear my hair out but I do think that it's very unique that black people have to think about that as it relates to the interviewing process Mm -hmm. and I mean people like curly hair has always been unfortunately always been viewed as unprofessional so like even when I was a kid I just always wanted to straighten my hair all the time or at Mm -hmm. career fairs in college I would always have like my hair slicked back Mm -hmm. or um or I would straighten it but Mm -hmm that's my first thing, so even with, you know, going through college and getting much more comfortable with my Blackness, when thinking about stepping into a corporate space, I still had, like, that little, like, oh, like, should I just, like, do this little yeah. thing that, like, might make the other people feel more comfortable, and not even make me feel more comfortable, but make them feel more comfortable, so that was the first thing, and then the second thing was not during my actual interview process, but I did have an interesting conversation when I actually started working within my team and one of my coworkers was I forget how they put it, but basically was like surprised that I was I was black when they looked at my resume.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but they said it in like a oh like you are so qualified, da da, da and you're black. And I was like, oh well like thanks. <laughs> like <laughs> appreciate it. Like I mean, like I feel very comfortable. Like my resume is very impressive. But I think it was just very interesting that that was even like a conversation to be had after. Um, so I don't know. I mean, again, like you work with resumes and like, of course, the resumes are super important in working at my new job. Like I help review resumes for like the diverse talent program that I was actually hiring. Mm-hmm. So they are super important. But I just think it's interesting that like that had to be something that like not even I had to deal with, but like. Right. I don't know maybe I was being overly sensitive about it and I was kind of looking around like did anybody else peep that that was weird or Mm -hmm. we just all gonna sit quietly (laughs) and move past it Mm -hmm. but I do want to mention those two stories because I do think that it happens a lot more than it should so if that does happen to you it's unfortunate but it does occur yeah
1: yeah and, and i want to say like i don't i don't think he was being overly sensitive at all i think you felt it for a reason um, mm-hmm. so that's definitely valid and also i mean you know there's two sides to that specific situation right when it comes to professionalism um being black is one there's the side where it's like hey do you really want to be at a company if they're not going to accept for you for all of who you are mm-hmm. but then there's also the other side where it's like Oh, well, maybe this company specifically when it comes to like the Fortune 500 companies that everybody wants to be in like Amazon, Facebook, Google, and all those companies that, you know, it's like, oh, this is a big name company. i need to be here. Like I'm trying to give, you know, my career up. Uh, do you want, you You might not necessarily want to have that be a reason that you were looked as less than any other candidate. Mm-hmm. So when you come to an interview, you don't exactly know who, maybe you know who the hiring managers are, or maybe you don't. But you don't want to be in a situation where you don't know that, like maybe there's a higher manager that you don't know, and maybe they do have a little bit of racial bias, and it's just like maybe it's uh, it's implicit or whatever. But mm-hmm. is it worth is it worth it to go in there? Or yeah, is it worth it to go in there and have that be a reason that they looked at you as less? Mm-hmm. Or should you just come in there? Maybe straighten your hair for whatever reason because you think that was the best option because you want to you want to be looked at for your skills and your values and you know your profession and everything that you have to offer. Um, mm-hmm. And then once you get the job, you know, wear your hair out, wear your hair, you know, wear, wear it in curls, and you know, rock, you know, rock who you are um, because now you're past that, you know. Yeah. But it, it depends on who you are, your values, and you define that in your boundaries. I'm more so the first one where I feel like I should. Represent who I am, mind you. I probably don't have that kind of problem with my (laughs) hair, but if I did, you know, like if I was wearing like dreads or anything like that, I would, I would come in there looking how I want to look because that's Mm -hmm. who I am. And I can accept me. I'm not gonna work at this company. Exactly. You you know, so it just depends on who you are and how you want to go about that, especially with those higher companies where you kind of, you know, you kind of want to be there more so, and you're willing to kind of do what you gotta do to fit certain puzzles. You know what I'm saying? So yeah it's interesting Absolutely.
0: to mention that because that's literally what my dad said like he was like if you wearing your hair out is a reason for them not to hire you then like you shouldn't be at that company because like i do, of course have the qualifications and interviewing is like such a subjective process like you can have all the qualifications and then you breathe on them wrong and they're like ah, and like <laughs> um for better or for worse like again The interview process, I feel like in everything, whether it be in clubs, at school, or organizations in general, or at companies, institutions, whatever it is, it's very, very, very subjective. Um, But my dad did remind me and was like, again, Camille, like, you're going to get a job, like, you're very qualified. So again, if they feel uncomfortable about you wearing your hair out, then, because like, I wear my hair out all the time, like, granted, sometimes I'll have braids, or like, I'll like cornrow back or like whatever it is. But most of the time, this is like my natural form. Um, But I do want to pivot a little bit and I definitely want to talk about networking um, because I attribute networking is really the reason how I not got the job that I'm in now, but like, I think it really, really helped me get the job that I am in. And again, since your company has a lot to do with helping people network, um, why do you think networking is so important?
1: networking is key. Networking is the key to success, honestly. like, um, and I, I mean, networking essentially can get you over the stack of resumes that the hiring manager has to look like. Networking can get you past the giant database of resumes they haven't looked at because when someone has a personal recommendation and they're mm-hmm. saying, hey, he or she or they would be a great addition to this company. The, mm-hmm. the hiring manager is automatically like, Yo, I know this person. They already work here. They're already doing a good job, and they're saying this person would be a great addition. I don't even gotta worry about the stack right now. I'm trying to see what they're talking about. You know, mm-hmm. so that's that's the key right there. Um, that I mean, seventy percent of jobs that are um, obtained in this day are through networking and referrals. So you wanna put yourself in the best possible position because um, if you're just applying the regular way and just Uh, you know, applying to the company websites through LinkedIn. I mean, you're, you're doing the bare minimum essentially is what you're doing. I mean, everyone else is doing that. So how can you make yourself different? How can you make yourself stand out among the crowd? But also like, I want to, I want to, I want more people. And I kind of try to do this to my business as well is I want people to look at networking less of a businessy formal thing and more of a, just a a way of life. Like mm-hmm. networking doesn't have to be always talking to someone in a suit or a blazer, and you don't know them, but you're trying to like get some information from them. It can be a friend, you know. Mm-hmm. It could be a classmate. It can be a fellow student or a member. It could be a coworker. It can be anyone that you have any type of normal, you know, casual, uh familiar relationship with. I mean, that's your network. I mean, think about the the quote it takes a village. A village is your immediate network. Your family is your immediate network. I mean, your dad may know people, your mom may know people, your uncle, your aunt may know people, your brothers and your sisters may know people. And if they don't know people, they're gonna know people in 10 years, in 15 years, 20 years from now. So never forget who's around you and never forget to, you know, look to your side instead of always trying to connect with someone in you know, some CEO or manager position. I mean, you can do that, you know, that's great. But also mm-hmm. look to the left and right because your network is much more multifaceted than you really think.
0: Mm-hmm. And like actively not trying to look past people, like I think that's really important. Um, and that's something that my dad always talks about. Like you really should you you shouldn't look past people. If you've been friends with someone for a long time, even mm-hmm. my parents, for example, my mom is shout out to my mom one of the best networkers I have ever met like she walks into a room and she knows everybody and like it's it almost like becomes like a joke within like my immediate family because it's like we go anywhere and like she's not necessarily like the best at names like remembering people's names but she remembers people's faces and she feels very comfortable going up to someone like hey I know what I know your face where do we meet and she'll just start talking to people and I definitely attribute like again Getting that contact that I eventually or eventually helped me feel more comfortable with my phone screening because she was like, Oh, you want to work at this company? I think I have a friend that I used to work with that knows somebody that works there. So she calls that person. That person calls this girl or this woman that uh, then talked to me. That woman didn't even work at the company anymore, but she still had a lot of close contacts. She called two other people. I had phone calls with them. And then both of them happened to be the co founders of the. Organization that I was trying to apply through, but like, had I been like, oh, like I don't want to, you know, talk to my parents, like I'm going to do this by myself. I'm going to, you know, add people on LinkedIn and whatever the case may be. And sometimes you have to do that if you don't actually have those connections. But actively trying not to look past, you know, your mom, your dad, your siblings, cousins, whoever, because you'd be really surprised. What is that like? Um, it's like the ten degrees of separation or something.
1: Oh yeah, six degrees of separation.
0: Yeah like it's a real thing like the fact that my mom was able to call one person and then within a day or two she was like yeah like you can like email this person like set up a call and then in talking to them both super cool people talk to them on a regular basis too always follow up that's a sidebar always follow up when you're like calling someone or talking to someone about something please send them an email or just like Mm -hmm tell them how you're doing or like happy holidays or something like that's you need to feed the connection you can't just talk one time and then only show up when you need something you know absolutely I I think I really learned the the benefit of networking through just seeing how many people that my mom knew like growing up and I've been actively trying to do that as well um, so mm-hmm. do you have any advice for black people specifically when it comes to networking?
1: Uh, yes. And here's the first thing before I even get to that answer. With when you said following up, that's okay. But also, you ever gotten a thank you card from somebody? Yes. Yo. Time. <laughs> One time. That is some of the most meaningful, like that's the most meaningful level of a follow-up you could ever do. Mm-hmm. So someone someone once told me actually very recently that. The best people, the the, I guess the most successful people with the most social capital, do follow follow cards all the time, and it can cost. I mean, it costs like twenty five cents to a dollar for a follow up card, so it's really not that expen- not that expensive, mm-hmm. but people remember that. like I got it, Like I got a follow up card from someone. that Actually, one of my clients, mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, like, wow, okay okay I'm, I'm gonna remember this like mm-hmm. this is it's probably not even thrown away for a while you know so you literally have a reminder there so if you actually send a follow-up card to everyone you've networked with or anyone you, or your interview like people you, you interview with I mm-hmm. mean um, the level of success that you experience as opposed to had you not is gonna be exponential
0: mm-hmm. so I just want
1: to point that up just
0: sprinkle that in
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because
0: even even if you don't necessarily do follow-up cards, like I do think handwritten anything just feels more sentimental. But after an interview, send an email. After a career fair, after meeting someone like at a business, whatever, like just send an email and say, like, hey, look, I really appreciated, you know, or I appreciated our our conversation. Like I liked talking to you. I hope that we can stay in contact. Like that shows intention you know it wasn't just a one-time conversation and hopefully actually you know getting a legitimate connection with someone I remember I met someone at one of my internships and her and I like act, a, a woman that works there we actually like get lunch well I mean granted since COVID it's been a little off but since then like we had gotten lunch like maybe every few months and it wasn't just about business but also when I was starting to look for jobs and she had an opening, she immediately emailed me and was like, hey, Camille, like, I know that you're looking for jobs. Would you be interested in this area? And even though I wasn't, she thought of me. And like, that was an amazing opportunity. And because her and I had such a good conversation, she was willing to like, let me refer her to someone. So I had a friend that was really interested in being in her field. And I was like, yeah, like, let me ask them, I can connect the two of you. So not only like does networking benefit you, but it also can benefit, you know, your Immediate network as well, so like you're not. It's not even networking is just important. If you haven't got, like gotten that,
1: <laughs> absolutely. Um, and just you know, overall advice uh, for Black people in general, just to you know, master the professionalism, and networking, and interviews and all that. Go above and beyond because I mean, we always hear that we kind of have to do ten times of what we expect we have to do in order to get the average you know results of mm-hmm. our white counterparts so go above and beyond do whatever you can do to stick out because um, at the end of the day I mean your first introduction to any employer or professional is going to be through your resume if it's not through networking mm-hmm. so you know make sure your resume is on the point hire you a resume writer like me you know or anyone else but hopefully me you know and um you know uh, upgrade your LinkedIn. You know, make sure that you're reaching out to who you need to reach out to. Make sure you're doing extensive research. Most people just apply knowing the company name, but you should know the mission. You should know how they're involved in the community. You should you should know maybe some of the news of, of recent you know important changes that the company is going through. These are things you can mention in an interview and mm-hmm. in a cover letter. So go above and beyond because your white counterparts are there. I mean. You know, you know, like everything is disproportionate, and maybe they have connects that you don't, you know. And you just gotta do whatever you can to to rise above and make sure that you're, you know. I don't know, just 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 be just be the best version of you you can because if you're not, you best believe that someone else is. Mm-hmm.
0: And to add to that, help one another. Mm-hmm. I've come across so many people so many black people, and I'm gonna call us out a little bit, that don't help one another. Mm-hmm. Even take my example, um, my, the woman that I became friends with at my internship two years ago, like her and I got really close and when she, when I, I wasn't interested in the position, I thought about one of my black friends that would have been interested in it and I immediately connected them. Like that was like a no brainer connect. But there's a lot of people that feel uncomfortable by putting their friends on to certain things or not being the only black person in a space. And we need to cut that out. I don't know why people feel that way. But we need to be helping one another. Even mm-hmm. if, um, if you need a resume writer, go to a resume writing black owned company, like things like that. Like We need to actively try to uplift one another network with one another because we are as a group we can be so well connected, but there's a an odd disconnect that I've realized over the past probably two years or so that we need to get over because it's it's old news. <laughs> we need to be helping each other. Yeah.
1: Yeah. and when you put your people on to something, they're gonna remember that, and it's gonna exactly. come back. Exactly. You know? So think of it as just investing in, in the collective. You're not you're not just helping them, you're not getting anything out of it. Not that that should be. The main goal that you should be doing for them, but also realize that it's also going to come back to you. I mean, whether it's anything from a thank you to them putting you onto your next job, or putting maybe it's gonna they're gonna remember ten years, twenty years from now they're gonna put your child onto a job. You know, so Mm -hmm. just you know, you know, support each other, support the community because um, it truly does take a village. Mm -hmm. And also apply that that statement itself to your professionalism, like. I know a lot of people that are not connected with their family on LinkedIn like that. Like, you should be connected with your family on LinkedIn. You should be connected with, I mean, if, you're, if your LinkedIn is not updated, you gotta update and connect with everyone you know, because mm-hmm. um, I, there's, I, there's so many times where I see someone post on LinkedIn, they'll be like, open to new roles, here's my resume. Um, I'm interested in the XYZ fields, and there's no responses or likes to their posts. And it's not because they're not popular, it's because they don't have connections, or they're not connected mm-hmm. with people that are actually down for them. And then there's others where people are connected with their peoples and they're connected with their friends and with their families and and you know fathers and mothers and things like that and you have them commenting hiring managers that they know on like they're on linkedin you have them sending their resume to other people on, on linkedin and you know the comments are just blowing up with all these references or all these or even someone just saying hey Whoever sees this, just know that this person is a great candidate. You should hire mm-hmm. them. So there's a there's a big difference in that, and just keeping your 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 community, your close community, the people that you can confide in, at least uh, involved in your career path, so that when anything comes across them, they're sending it straight to you.
0: Exactly. And do you have anything else that you want to add to our conversation, or you want the viewers to know?
1: Oh yeah, my business Golden Goals. We are career coaching company black owned we do resume we do linkedin we do networking services whether that's mentorship or we can actually do the networking for you um and we also do cover letters and just things like that and also we help all of our clients in general just giving advice and you know helping kind of steer your path towards the career you want or the career that you're thinking about or even if you don't know what kind of career you want a career you want Uh, just kind of helping you, you know, process that thing and get to where you need to go and represent yourself in the best way possible, because as we like to say, you know your worth, we make it visible.
0: I like that. (laughs) (laughs) I like that so much, and I, again, I think this is just so important, because navigating interviewing and hiring and first days, and even I'm six months in, but still navigating, you know, um, corporate spaces is always so hard. So I think that this episode is just really, really important. Um, and I am hope that it's helpful. I'm going to put um, Anthony's business Instagram in the description box. Um, and yeah, I'm just super excited that this happened. And I'm again, hopeful. I'm sure that people are looking for jobs because people are about to graduate and it's just an endless cycle of people being yep. spelled. about yep. trying to find a job.
1: But <laughs> your resumes enhanced. We hear golden goals
0: before the year
1: ends. Get your resumes in.
0: Right. You heard the man, but uh, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Being Black, and we'll see you next week for another episode. Bye.